0: Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about the Cubs today with a first-time guest. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. And a uh, would you consider long-time us- listener, long-time listener. Are That's great. Would you consider us former colleagues? Yeah, I would say yeah. Former,
1: former teammates.
0: Uh, I probably should finish uh, introducing. During you.
1: the wild, the Wild West days of yeah. the Athletic, when they would hire anybody, <laughs> including me.
0: Um, Patrick Mooney. See, I can't read my own handwriting. Senior writer of the Athletic. Did I get that right.
1: Uh, yes Nobody knows what their titles
0: are there. I don't know what mine was. <laughs> Head assistant moron. I think that's what I was. How many years? Have you, is this your fourth year?
1: Um, uh, completing my fifth year oh, at the fifth.
0: athletic. Oh, so you made it. So what happens there, people don't know this. After your fourth year, they give you a raise. And then they, when they go to process your paperwork, they're like, oh, no, no, no. We're not signing anymore. He's, he has to go. That's what happened to me john got me a raise and they said oh no we're not uh we're not extending contracts to freelancers anymore and he his is over so he can leave so that's that's how i got that's how i got the boot
1: i do think that was true across the border that was not like a anti-discipio decision it was a
0: company-wide uh, that's what i was told and bruce Miles, bruce miles was doing freelance stuff and he couldn't do it anymore either
1: yeah, and John always said your stuff, not surprisingly, did did well. It had a built-in yeah, audience. I'm still waiting to be asked and back. Tapped into.
0: I mean, I know I have this uh, media uh, behemoth here at pointless <laughs> exercise, but I could always be lured back. You guys still have your podcast?
1: Yeah, we're kind of in off-season hibern- hibernation mode until probably the winter meetings. Maybe you can come on our show. Well, Havis, depending on how this goes, I mean, you know. I'd
0: be more than happy to come on. I at the time when you formed the podcast, there were three people at the Athletic writing about the Cubs, and then you th- started a three-person podcast about the Cubs, and one of us wasn't on the podcast. So, not that I'm bitter about that or anything.
1: <laughs> as Carlos, being the way used to say, I just work here. You know, <laughs> I mean, that would be a Greenberg. That's something you take up with Greenberg on Twitter. He's oh, I'll have acceptable. Well, that's, all,
0: that's all we're going to talk about the next time I have him on
1: the podcast. Recurring guest
0: uh, John Greenberg he is, I think. <laughs> I think next time he's on, I think he'll be the most <laughs> the, the, the the guest who doesn't isn't isn't a co-host who's been on this the most. Uh, I can't. We can put that on his resume. His LinkedIn page. That'll be exciting for him. There you go. All right. The most important question I'm going to ask you is: Have you ever been in the pitch lab?
1: Um, no, I've peered into it. There was a funny, um, it was actually really funny when Sahadev kind of first wrote about it several years ago. Someone was like, how do you even know about it? What are you talking about? And at the time at the Sloan Park practice facilities, there's kind of like this warehouse area in the middle of it and there was literally a printed out sign that said pitch lab here with a big red arrow pointing into it (laughs) so it was very uh cub communication breakdown thing they have this like secretive thing and literally it's the path where the media um walks from kind of the clubhouse uh area to where the mounds are where you see all the b-roll of pitchers throwing spring training and literally right in the middle of that there was this Sign in all capital letters. Pitch lab here with a big red arrow. So that their super top secret yeah. uh, facility uh, was well advertised.
0: What I I picture. Remember the um, the montage scene in Rocky uh, Four, where Drago is in you know the high tech. You know he's on the. Yeah. They've got him like hooked up to all the you know monitors and stuff, and uh, they're pumping him full of steroids and. Um, and then Stallone is over there, like in a barn in Russia, you know, with an ox cart. Uh, I'm not sure if the Cubs, if the pitch lab, is the ox cart or the fancy, uh, the fancy treadmill. But you know, it, we know we know they've committed money. They have all the magic cameras. They've got the the best ones you could possibly get. And that's uh, and one of the things I I love is how uh, quick they are to take credit for any improvement of pitch they immediately apply any improvement to uh the pitch lab. Well that guy, yeah, he we sucked, but then we got him in the pitch lab and we fixed everything and now look at him
1: Yeah, I will say I think they did a good job this year of adapting some of their messaging and programming into more like simple terms and applying more common sense to some of their throwing programs and things like that because they were pointing to these successes while you know i mean Brayland didn't pitch for two years they had a bunch of their top prospects who just did not pitch at all and i do think there were some adjustments made there i think there was a lot of uh awareness of some of those issues and i do think they bridged some of those gaps because i you know one of these years it's not going to work with the bullpen, but I do think they've done, you know, a pretty yeah. solid job with that of like, because things didn't bottom out this year at the trade deadline in a way that I almost certainly thought it would. Not to like throw a parade for, what is it, the fifth best record in the yeah, National League? Is yeah. that well, like to when you well,
0: when you go to the banner raising <laughs> okay. in April, you'll see the fifth best record in the National League after the All-Star break. Okay. Yeah. In a league where seven hmm. teams were trying to win. The Cubs had the fifth best record in the second half, mostly because they'd already played all the good teams in the first half. But we're we're not going to talk about that. My my two favorite Pitch Lab things were how excited they were for, oh, you should see what we did to Tommy Nance. We fixed this guy. It's amazing. And he came up, and then they outlawed sticky stuff, and Tommy had to leave. And um, then when they traded for Hayden Wisniewski, and they sent him to Iowa, and I, I think they only sent him there. They wanted to kill a couple of weeks. So when he came up and he pitched, they could say, well, we fixed him in the Pitch Lab. I was like, well, no, he was pretty – I thought that's why you traded for him. Isn't he supposed to be good?
1: Yeah, I think Wisniewski, if he does wind up being pretty good, and he looked pretty good. He at least had uh, – oh, he had some charisma on the mound, I would say. Like, that's not really uh, something the Ivy computer system probably registers, but he definitely thinks he's, like, awesome. Yeah, does. I, I do think there's something to that. He didn't look scared, and I think coming up with the Yankees in New York, like being around that, I think is a good um, kind of training ground. Uh, the Yankees have done a pretty good job of at least finding like some useful yeah. pitchers over the years.
0: Well, cocky's good, you know. If if you're good, you know, fans <laughs> like to see that, and I do think it, it certainly has to help to have confidence when you're pitching. As opposed to no doubt, uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's see what I'm going to throw this. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have no, no idea. Now no, no,
1: waiting for for the uh, high speed motion capture camera to tell you what you did wrong. i mm-hmm. just having the confidence to go out there and throw thirty best stuff and see what happens. Like I was impressed. I thought I thought he did it, did a nice job down the stretch.
0: Yeah, he did. Um. So Jose Abreu signed with the Astros. Much to much to Bruce Levine's chagrin. Um, were were the Cubs were the Cubs actually talking to Jose at all? It it Ken Rose's all kind of put a thing in where it sounds like they at least dipped their toe in, so that Bruce could at least say, "See, I told you they were trying to sign him." Um, I just I didn't. You couldn't convince me of a fit, especially not at three years.
1: No, not at three. I mean, they were definitely involved and, you know, had him on their radar and saw like a really good fit, but. So he's on, he was on. They had to to look at lots of different possibilities because they knew deep down that they were not going to go all out to sign this guy. And, you know, the Astros are kind of an interesting uh, operation. Now To see uh, Jeff Bagwell talking about, you know, you know, this game's played by humans, not computers. Like. Uh, they'll be a really interesting team to watch to see yeah. what they do because it's probably gonna be like the total opposite of what the Cubs do. Yeah.
0: But so what you're saying is mm-hmm. that on sometime on that was Monday that that came out that he signed. Carter had to go into a conference room and at least erase Abreu's name off of a whiteboard <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I right, didn't get in. All right.
1: Maybe there's someone on the data entry on their IV system that you know updates <laughs> yeah. that. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, they met with Trey Mancini's agent in GM meetings. They obviously met with, uh, the, they went to the Boris Corp suite, uh, in Vegas and they got Josh Bell. Um, you know, I, I, you know, they want to upgrade at first base is an obvious area, but, you know, I don't think this off season will be judged on what they do at first base. I mean... There's just so many holes to fill that it's like, you know, getting fixated on one guy at one uh, non-glamorous defensive position or even a totally offensive position as a part-time DH is not really where their heads are at. And I think they're kind of, how do I phrase? Intelligent spending. Oh, they're they're just not the team that's going to be just jumping out there. Maybe I'll prove it wrong by the time you post this podcast, but they're very much in, you know, they want deals on their terms and whatever surplus value they can capture in each one. And I do think they'll spend a lot of money in the aggregate. I think they'll sign a bunch of interesting guys. I just don't know how how Cubs fans will respond if uh, none of those guys play shortstop. Because it's really set up, you know, after last year, it's like, oh, it's the lockout. You know, we're still kind of getting out of the 2016, uh, the shadows of 2016. And now it's like a whole other spectacular class of free agent shortstops at, like, the most important position yeah. at a time when uh, the rules are changing that will prioritize athleticism up the middle. Like, if they don't come away with one of them, I think they could still have a successful offseason, but just going to the optics will be yeah. – Terrible! It's gonna like cast uh, a shadow over the start of spring training, and I don't think they're gonna give themselves much margin for error. If they don't.
0: So if you if you don't sign a first baseman, I'm not I'm not a, I know a lot of rules. You know, I was an official scorer for the Bloyd Snappers one year. But um, could you put a book? Bu- could you put a bucket on first base? And if if Nico could just throw the ball into the bucket, would the runner be out? Because I think you probably I think you have to actually have a, a human there, right? So they have to sign. They have to get somebody.
1: Yeah, I do think we were kind of uh, you know, spoiled by Rizzo's defense over yeah. the years of just kind of he got so good at that. Um, and whether it was like standing right next to the batter when he was trying <laughs> yeah. to punt or, you know, when Javi would make a crazy throw and like Rizzo would kind of look at him. Or like when Wilson would throw a ball 100 miles an hour on a bunt and he'd like stare down Wilson like I don't know, what know what was 40 that? feet away. <laughs> there were lots of like funny little things like that in that infield or like you know Rizzo yelling at Hoffy like don't drop it during some of those playoff games. Like, there was a lot there was a lot going on there that Rizzo, while not like the you know traditional like leader you'd want, there's a lot of good things he brought to the yeah. table that weren't just home runs. And that weren't like, you know, standing up and giving huge speeches. He just kind of did his own thing in a way that like worked for that group at that time.
0: Yeah, and I think that's an important. I think Cub fans think Rizzo was like, um, well, it was like the locker room—the guy who went around and you know fired guys up and yelled at guys. (laughs) You can be a leader in a lot of different ways, and he—that's not his form of. Leadership, and the worst thing you can do is if you're not that guy, try to act like that guy, and it doesn't sound like he ever did. He was just him, and it's like this works.
1: Yeah, I think he wanted some of that. I just think his personality wasn't. And look, like there's no like perfect. But I mean, the guy would, you know, visit cancer wards at hospitals downtown like almost every week, like whenever the cups were in town, and it was good that he brought that looseness. But like, yeah, you know, he was much more inclined to like make fun of his teammates and like keep it loose than like, you know, challenge them in a way, you know, that Ross um, or maybe Hayward would. Yeah.
0: Um, Speaking of Jason Hayward, so the Cubs, he's going to be paid by the Cubs to not play this year. Is anybody going to pay him to play? Do you think?
1: He wanted to see what's out there, and I think, you know, there could be, you know, a team or two where that would make sense. It's not going to happen, like, in San Diego next week during the winter meetings, but I don't know. I mean, people just rave about him, and, like, he does bring something. He can play defense. I mean, if you're paying him basically nothing, and it's, like, the right team, the right situation, like – I don't know, he's a guy I think you'd like to have on your team in a very, like, specific role. Like, and he's earned, you know, a lot of credibility that there are fewer people like that at running front offices now, but there's a handful out there that would, like, be intrigued by what Jason could bring and could see the value, um, the example he sets, things like that.
0: If you need a ground ball, a three-hop grounder to second, there is nobody in the league better than Jason Hayward. So if that situation ever calls for it You're like, oh, we, we've got the guy Alright, Jay Hay go in Watch this Yeah, he seems like a hell of a guy And yeah, he's gonna, I mean, he'll probably negotiate a little more than the minimum um, yeah, But he doesn't I mean, really need to Because isn't it, if you sign him Does that cut into what the Cubs owe him then? It's so like if a team signs so. it for a million bucks the Cubs, the Cubs don't have to pay him They get a million saved off of whatever I don't know how that works
1: that's a good question. I don't, I don't think so.
0: It's just a bonus uh-huh. for him. He gets more. That's how it should work. But I have a feeling in baseball that's that's not how it works. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about the shortstops. Um, the three and a half really good shortstops. I just I can't put Dansby Swanson in the same. I know he's good. He's pretty good. For what you have to pay him, I, that's the one guy I would be like, just leave Nico. But short spend that money somewhere else um do you think they get one of the four but when the when the chair when the music ends, do the cubs have a short stop to sit on?
1: I've been going back and forth on this one. I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those like who's gonna drag out past cubs convention and like is there a guy who needs a landing spot. I think, you know, Trey Turner seems like one of those Dave Dombrowski Philly moves. Like I know there's stuff like that out there on Twitter. And that's kind of what I had been hearing like here and there consistently since the end of the season. Um, You know, I still think Correa, you know, if he wanted X, he didn't get it last year. Yeah. Like I, like, I think he's a great player, but there are, you know, with every players, you know, a couple scratches like here and there that make you wonder like if some team, like if the twins are like desperate and go insane and like go to like 10 years or if, you know, it goes past 300 million, like that's not, Judge is not going to do that. I'm not going to like pretend, but I I I just think with what we talked about earlier of like the defensive shifts, like how they have to like have some sort of anchor. Like I, I do think they're going to be heavily involved, but like there's going to be no like pat on the back for like trying here. You know, it's like either you do or don't and they sign them. One of those guys. And I'm with you. I think Swanson, like, I'm not sure how much that's going to, like, electrify the fan base. But I do think he's a really strong, solid player. And that's where Jed – if Jed's going to do one of those big deals, it's going to be with a guy who can, you know, stay in the infields past his shortstop expiration date. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, check out next year's free agent class. It's not like there's, like – it's not going to be three years in a row of, like, awesome – a group of awesome shortstops out there. So I, I, I definitely think there's, like – motivation to do it and some internal pressure to do it it's just that i don't know if they're going to like blink in the end yeah. like but that's to be determined
0: so you think so the cup convention town comes out to his smattering of booze to give his little speech and then he mentions and gets booed more and then he says but guys we made a huge sign we got a short stop everybody here is A. ray andreanza come on out no why are you booing you won't be booing you won't be booing on opening day yeah, I mean, it might be.
1: <laughs> well that's always a good like um that was kind of the way I've been trying to think about this off season of like the Cubs can be in play. Like obviously they should be in play every year all the time for everything. Like that's how but obviously they're not. Like that's not the world they live in or how they operate their business. But this is one of those off seasons where there is a lot of money on hand, there's like you know, almost no building blocks to speak of. You're not blocking anyone. You're not displacing anyone. And, you know, probably like your best player, Nico has like this fantastic attitude. It's like, I don't care. I want to win. Like, he's very, like, he's a very mature, like legit leader. um, And like steady professional presence. And like, he moved second in a heartbeat. If it meant, you know, you're getting an awesome shortstop and that's the strength of the market. And like, you know, they have to go as far as they can to see what, what they can do and what players, you know, are willing to do.
0: So, you know, it's it's not that the Bears are involved in this, but it's it's football, it's like playoff time where you see the graphics, where who's who's got the bye, who's leading what divisions, and then there's the in the hunt over on the side. I just have a feeling, Mark, already has a graphic ready where a big player signs and they list the Cubs as like uh, they were in the hunt. And they're just going to try to take credit for that over and over again. Aaron Judge. Oh, we were in the hunt. We uh, uh, we, didn't actually make him an offer, but we uh, did that. Uh, oh, we were so close on Carlos Crayon, but he's in the hunt. So that'll be fun.
1: Yeah, I, in the hunt is a good way to phrase it now, I think. And that's not a, like something to be <laughs> celebrating at the Wrigley Wonderla- Wonderland or whatever. Winter Wonderland. But it's a legitimate, accurate... Portrayal of like where they are in this shortstop pursuit.
0: So they have that time lapse video of them setting up all the stuff at Wrigley, and there's that one big tent. It's is that the is that the Nick Madrigal petting zoo? Is that what the, is that what goes on in that little? Oh, look at him! Oh, he just looks like you want to just tossle his hair.
1: You know, it's like sense. the this is like the between two ferns portion of <laughs> this. Sorry, uh, no, the Wrigley Wrigley's got the. Uh, it was a, there's like a little train ride around the infield, it's a couple car, car carny games. The uh, trade
0: ride that train ride around the, infield so moves ice, skating, at the... ice skating
1: rink is yeah. kind of in
0: right center field. Like,
1: you know, it's it's not a bad the, bad the, setup.
0: The train around the infield moves at the exact speed of Albert Almora, so it won't scare the kids. That's fine. So, um, if the Cubs get one of the shortstops. Do the Cubs, do they move Nico to second, or do they actually consider maybe making him the short-term solution in center?
1: Uh, I think they would just move him to second. I think that's the. lot. I mean... Um,
0: you're going to your, they- <laughs> miss out on, like, 37 Nick Madrigal singles, though, if you put Nico there instead.
1: You know, I did think one of the interesting moments, I think it was in September or maybe late August. It was, I think it was, no, September. I mean, they had a Sunday night game against the Giants because I think the Bears played the Niners that day. But like, Madrigal was pretty frank. Like, I think he, like, he recognized that like, you know, I need to change a lot of things here. And I thought that was a lot of uh, self-awareness there and that there was definitely an organizational push to be like, this can't keep happening and we're not going to like hand you a job next year. So I think like they're probably looking at it as like whatever they get from him next year is a bonus. Like they're not like, if they don't sign a shortstop, I have a hard time thinking to be like, Oh, well, you know, you know, I mean, we got magical to play second for 150 games next year. Like there was a definitely a, a sense of realism, both from like the player, the manager and the front office that like, I wouldn't, Totally write him off just because they have much um, more realistic expectations for what that could be.
0: He could play 150 games for him. It just it takes three years for him to play the 150 games because he he gets hurt so much. And then I don't know how much of this is true. There was a, it was the thought that you know we, the Sox got him and like you need to drive the ball a little. I mean we can't just have you sla- and he bulked up as much as. <laughs> you. And bulk up at five foot five, and that—that's when the leg injuries started. And kind Whoops. of the thought that, all right, you got to just change the way you train. Let's get back to you. You're just going to have to lean into what you do well, and whatever that is. And trying to get, trying to add some bulk so you can hit, you know, three homers. It probably isn't worth it if it means you're going to you're going to be on the DL three times in a season.
1: Well, that's what I said to Ross. I was like. You know, at this time last year, these exact same questions were about Nico. Yeah. And he, to his credit, answered the bell. And Ross is like, that's exactly what we've been telling Madrigal. And, like, those guys are have been good friends for a really long time. And, you know, to your point, I mean, the Cubs will have a new hitting coach. So I'm sure that'll, you know, fix everything. Wait, what? With a new hitting the coach? Offense. The Cubs? Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, that's, that's the spinal tap drummer at this point it's and i thought it was you funny know, this th- time they were just like just put it in the release just just throw it in the bottom of the news maybe they don't even notice but we're changing again.
1: We, i was googling that because theo said that spinal tap drummer reference and i was trying to figure out how many hitting coaches ago that he made that comment <laughs> but it's so he said it in such an old manner that I have trouble finding yeah. the first like reference to it. I want to say it was probably like maybe 2014, like Bill Miller time, but I don't know that for certain. And so
0: didn't Bill left on his own, right? Want to go to the Cardinals because it'd be closer to he, where he tore think, up his knee or something. I
1: think it was they wanted to get rid of the assistant hitting coach, and Bill Miller was like, no, yeah, I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to do all I, this stuff that. He didn't like the idea of them like handpicking the coach he'd be oh. working with, so he just quit, yeah. which is kind of admirable. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's basically what a Star Trek. If the re- the crew members in the red shirts were always you ever, they were guaranteed to get shot whenever they got down to whatever planet, the Cubs should just have <laughs> the hitting coach wear a red jersey just in the dugout, just lean into it and go, "All right, you get the special red shirt because you are going to be gone
1: soon." What a thankless job. Just yeah. No, no upside.
0: So one of the free agents that's uh, often uh, connected to the Cubs, I think for two reasons. One, it fills the need. Two, they signed Seiya last year. So people are like, well, the Cubs are just going to, if there's a Japanese guy, the Cubs are going to sign him. is Kodai Senga. What's the deal with the U in his name? Sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. K-O-U-D-A-I or K-O-D-A-I? I mean, it doesn't make a sound. I'm not putting it in. I'm saving myself a character. I'm leaving the U out.
1: Yeah, in the Cubs system, there's a U. And then uh, I think it's kind of like if you go back to Otani before he came over, there was a couple different variations on – was it on Otani? Anyways. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out. I think you you make a good point about, like, I think sometimes – with baseball it's so regional and you only really follow one team so you think like oh my team or the team i cover like always has the inside track for like one kind of somewhat marginal reason and you know the cubs like him like they definitely been on him for a while and they have a really good relationship with wasserman and obviously darvish and Saya, like are good assets to have like or references, I should say, but, like, I don't know how many times, like, you can go to that well, or, like, what a separator yeah. really is. Like, if the Cubs offer him the most money, I yeah. bet there's probably going to be a pretty
0: good chance he's going to sign with the Cubs. Well, or clearly, if they get him to dinner with Tom, that'll he'll seal it. He'll charm pants off it, just like he did say it. Um You make a good point, though. I think it's a very fan thing. It's like, Every player wants to sign with my, with my favorite team. Why wouldn't they? I like them. They should want to play here. It's like sometimes guys just, sometimes your team really doesn't have a chance because the guy, for whatever reason, doesn't want to go there, and or they just they like someplace else more. But fans are like, no, no, no. You should be able to sign this guy and this guy and this guy. Just do what it takes. Sometimes there's nothing to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, in 2015, the Cubs had a really compelling case, like, coming off the NLCS and, um, you know, 1908, all that stuff. Right now, like, you know, the Cubs do a very good job with, like, the amenities and, the like, creature comforts and stuff like that. But they don't have, like, a monopoly on that. And, um, you know, it's definitely an attractive... Destination like, you know, their their Mesa spring training is exactly at the Scottsdale-Tempe border, and Chicago in the summertime is awesome. But like, oh, those those aren't the only two like good locations in Major League Baseball.
0: Well, and now you know they're it's like everybody talks about. Well, they don't want to pay the competitive balance tax, but that's fine. That's your prerogative, but you end up where they are now they have there's a tax they'll pay for any of these free agents it's the loser tax it's you, people can be confident that you're going to turn it around but at the end of the day if you're weighing offers between the Dodgers and the Cubs the Cubs offer is going to have to be for more money than the Dodgers or you're just going to the Dodgers yeah and you put your you willingly put yourself in that situation <laughs> and then you can't shy away from it and be like well I don't want to pay that. It's like well no that was the decision you made. You saved money last year you don't get to save that forever. At some point you're going to have to pay it. It all will yeah. even out in the wash somehow.
1: Yeah I mean they're good at you know with pitchers they have all the bells and whistles for like the pitchers who are in like that type of stuff and they make very personalized pitches and like they're really good at articulating or showing a vision for like the off the field life for for players and like from everything I'm told like they do run things in a really first class manner like they almost to the point where I think Theo was just like livid at some of it when they weren't performing <laughs> towards the end yeah. like, uh, we, we uh, series, the like we give you all this stuff the least you can this. do
0: is you know get a hit and, like, when you need
1: it that like drove him uh, up a wall but um, you know They have good reputation with stuff like that. Like Wrigley, is awesome. The travels pretty easy. I guess some of that'll change with a, you know, the schedule changes next year. But like, they have a compelling case. It's just, are they willing to, you know, I guess what's their answer to like the Andrew Friedman quote? Like, if you're rational about every free agent, you'll finish third for free agent. And so that's you know. That's to be determined, of like where they're willing to go for for which players. Yeah,
0: and I mean, they might not like it, but they fans are going to compare them to the Dodgers forever. For if nothing else, the idea that the Dodgers run that team the way everybody thinks the Cubs should run their team. I mean, they have a lot of the same advantages that the Cubs do, and the Dodgers are at a point right now where they're like, well, we could we've shed some salary. We could sign Aaron Judge. We'll just move Mookie to second. And Cub fans are just, like, <laughs> rolling their eyes. Like, they, they think they have a possibility. They could add Aaron Judge to that team. And we're sitting over here going, well, I don't know. We can't go more than six years on a shortstop because he might not be worth it at the end. It's like, yeah, well, if yeah. you sign a free agent, chances are he's not going to be worth it at the end. That's just how it's going to work out. You just hope that he's worth it at the beginning and that you capitalize on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, all their rhetoric after winning the World Series was, you know, how they wanted to be this, like, iconic global brand, and we want to do the, you know, it wasn't you know, winning one World Series, it was this endless runway of competitiveness, and um, you know, they will point to things like their second half and their vibes and all the stuff they have going for them, and then it's like, okay, well you're going to have to, like, put some money behind that. Like, if that's what you really believe, then sign some yeah. some guys, you know?
0: I mean, the frustrating thing for me was that one of the reasons, I mean, the 2016 team was a great team. One of the reasons it was so good was it had a lot of depth. They had guys mm-hmm. that, bench guys were good players. They had, you know, they had two shortstops who played, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they had, all, and the first thing they started to do was they just kind of, that's where they, they let it slip because they didn't want to keep, they didn't want the payroll to keep going up. And all of a sudden, they're just, the bullpen's not as deep. The bench isn't as deep. And it's like, that's the easy stuff, right? That's the stuff that the, that's, all that takes is a little extra money. And you can address that. And it was clear that they had taken that from Theo and basically said, you know, you don't really need to spend that much. I mean, you can't put together a winning roster with 208 million. That's all we're going to give. I said, so, well, I have for 220. I can probably well have a much better team at ah, two probably good enough. And there's lots of people who will sit in. Well, they had a top three payroll. It's like I don't care if their payroll is top. Just I don't care what their payroll is. I'm a fan. I want to know what the roster right. looks like. That's the fact that we um, you have to be like an amateur economist to <laughs> truly understand your sport. It's like maybe it's not worth trying to understand this. Just I don't care what your payroll is. I don't. When I go to a movie. I don't care how much you pay the actors. I just want to watch the movie. It should be the same thing with sports, but it's not. And I, I, owners have used that to their advantage, where fans are like, yeah, it's nothing better than a fan feel, well they shouldn't have to spend that much. It's like they're billionaires. They, bought, they know it's expensive to run a team when they bought it. You don't let them off the hook. I don't quite understand that.
1: Yeah, and it's even not that expensive when you look at how many, like, built-in revenue sources they have guaranteed the like soaring franchise valuations, the cachet it brings to you in your, the, the other dealings in your portfolio. And, you know, I, I don't think they're like, to your point, ownership is just straight cheap. No, It's just that because there are things that they do, whether it's, um, Well, setting aside the layoffs during the pandemic was just like inexcusable. That that really chipped away the at the credibility. But in terms of like, you know, Wrigley Field, spring training, how players are treated, the investments that they've made like around the baseball team that are geared towards winning are substantial. And their payroll was high during that time. It was just a an unwillingness or an inability to like look at that moment of like you know, they thought they had like the Golden State Warriors, you know, like like this young charismatic team that kind of crossed over like, you know, different generations. And like, they played with a lot of style and, you know, they didn't go all out. You know, I think another Andrew Friedman quote was like, you know, we want to be pigs about this or something like that after they won a, a world series. And it wasn't that it was pretty measured. And, you know, even, when they wound up with that top payroll in 2019 it was like you're only signing Kimbrel once zobris goes yeah, off of the right. books for a little bit yeah. and it's like would Kimbrel, you know if he had a full spring training would he have like blown that you know those poom poom games as madden you know called them uh against the cardinals it's like there was a lot of patchwork and you know part of that goes back to theo and jed too like you had to pick up Cole Hamill's option because there was just no one else coming. And like, that was, you know, 20 million for an all-star pitcher, but that's what the moment called for. And um, that's where I, I go back and forth. And like, I do think there's a little more self-awareness now of, you know, they slightly lowered ticket prices. They do realize that it's a way more competitive marketplace. They see people dropping off the the season ticket list um but they also know they're the cubs and that history's shown millions of people will show up to Wrigley field no matter what you yeah.
0: know i think the um well like the the big blinking red light the warning light that it went off for all of us was around the cole hamilton when they because that was after the the Offseason before they signed Darvish and Theo Bragg that he didn't have to spend as much as he thought and they were going to have money to spend next year, and then all of a sudden they had to uh, not exercise Drew Smiley's option, so they could yeah, trade him. him yeah yeah so, yeah. so they could, oh that's right yeah. they traded him so they could afford Cole Hamills and you went uh oh there's something very wrong here, and I also think it would be easier for Cub fans to have swallowed the teardown had we felt like they'd really gone for it in. 18 and 19 and 21. I don't know what you're going to do about 20 because of the pandemic. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, well, they tried it all. They they loaded up and they went after it. And now it's time to do a reset when they didn't. You know, it they they started like pulling back a little bit in 18 and 19 instead of pushing forward. And the natural raises that players get, young players get as they get older, they're like, well, look at our payroll. It's like, yeah, well, you knew that was going to go up you're supposed to be adding on top of that. And I think that's the the big frustration that they didn't expect, I think, was that fans would be like, I think they thought everybody would be like, well, this is a brilliant idea to rebuild. It's, the idea might be fine, but you you weren't going as hard as you could. You weren't trying mm-hmm. as much as you could to win those years. You were just hoping that what you had was good enough. And And as a fan now, the fear, my fear, is with the extra wild card – that the Cubs are like, we don't have to build a 95-win team. We could build an 85-win team. So we don't need to spend what we think it will take to be 95 wins. You just got to get in the playoffs and look at the Phillies. And it's like, well, I think you're learning the wrong lesson from the Phillies because the Phillies have Bryce Harper, and they had Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, and you don't have any of that. So if you take an 83-win team with the talent you've got into the playoffs, you're going to be there for two days. And then that's going to be it. I think they they're comfortable, I think, just selling the idea of contention to fans, not the idea of trying to actually win a championship. It's kinda of hope that'll the residue of getting in the playoffs might be that you'll win one.
1: Yeah, it is weird looking back at that period of how complex some of this stuff is, of like if you look at you know, the beginning of the Theo era there, they were so rigid and conservative with how they looked at pitching and they just wasted multiple drafts yep. on pitching and that's something you, you don't see until you know 18 19 and like the 2017 draft I think something like their top seven picks have all reached the majors and like they're not all huge impact guys but you see that and Nico and um, you know Brennan, like they, they do have like some like talent coming, and then you see the, the pandemic. Like without the pandemic, I think Javi's you know well on his way into a long term deal with the Cubs, and you know it's weird how they kind of disengaged with Wilson um, because I do think if you have like Javi and Wilson, or if you had signed Rizzo which in retrospect was like a pretty fair deal. Like he was extended, you know what I mean? Like there's all these like layers to, uh, to it. And it's just kind of uh really staggering to wrap your mind around. Like how many things uh, kind of broke down after the world series. And even though those events took place over a really long period of time.
0: Well, I mean, I want to be fair to them. They did extend David Bodie. They got him locked up for, like the next eleven years, three million dollars a year. That's good. So can't say they didn't lock some of the stars up. <laughs> they got him. What do we think? What do we think they can get out of Kyle Hendricks? Is this this is his last year, right? Is this the last? Uh, year yeah, he's and then there's
1: a there's a club option after that. Um, I think he's supposed to start throwing in early December, and I think his shoulder issue was not minor, but something that he could have pitched through if the Cubs were like a good team. And I think the idea now is to they basically wanted to create an an off season during the season so you just have more time to really like ramp up and do do some like drive line style techniques. Now I don't know if I don't know if it's like physically going to a drive line place, but just kind of like Working with some of those ideas to try like boost some velocity and also just he's all older now, he's not like straight out old, but like you know, to get his mechanics in perfect sync like takes uh a level of athleticism um that maybe he just through no fault of his own, like had kind of slipped in. And so I think they're looking at what they get from him as a bonus like they're not gonna like oh we can't sign pitcher x because we have kyle coming back but like if he could get just like a little bit more velocity and as you stated at the top of this you know the cubs really like uh trumpeting their pitch lab mm-hmm. developments like if you could just get a little bit more out of kyle and maybe like you know get him feeling a little more athletic, something that just like couldn't happen if he's making 30 starts a year. And can you bring him back as a guy who maybe makes 20 starts with a little more velo, but, you know, is just in better shape physically or less feels less worn down to like execute um, all the timing components of his delivery. Like, I think that's worth pursuing. And Kyle is someone that like, you would bet on um just you know just a great dude like a really hard worker a good guy to have around to like help teach like the most approachable person (laughs) ever in a clubhouse um so they're kind of in wait and see mode it was supposed to be around the start of the winter meetings is when that throwing program was supposed to start up again
0: so yeah i mean i think if you had told us that the last remaining world series player would be kyle Hendricks. he'd be like well he must he must turn into right-handed jamie moyer and he's pitching into his late 40s it's like no he's six years they're all just gonna be gone
1: yeah it's hard to go from you know i think someone put it to me like Bartolo Glone went from, like, 100 yeah. to 88. and could see get guys out. But Kyle starting at, like, 88, 87. Like, yeah. there's just not much margin for error.
0: Yeah, You'd have to be, like... You have to literally, like, pitch below, like, the batting practice speed to really throw people off that much.
1: Yeah, if he could somehow get a little more velocity and, like, separate um, some of those pitches a little more, and I think he probably f- fell into some kind of predictable patterns. But... Uh, yeah, it'd definitely be interesting to see how he comes back and you know what he can do. I think it would be you know a good story if he if he does.
0: So Jed said they're they're open to to signing uh, Nico or Ian Hap to contract extensions. The I'm a little more excited about one than the other. What does an Ian Hap contract extension? Look like. I mean, he's he's certainly not a bad player, but I, it just the you, he's a left fielder. We know he's a Gold Glove left fielder now. I just feel like you got to get more out of left field than that. And I think I don't know how much how hard they shopped him at the deadline, but I think the feedback they got from the league was no, we're good. We he's not much of an upgrade over what we've already got.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that also could be you know, the Cubs overvaluing their own players, but I don't know. He's an above average major league player who can switch hit and who I think has shown a lot of like growth and awareness of where he's at in his career. And I think, I don't know how much the Cubs value this. They probably don't, but like, He's definitely someone who, like, immediately gravitated toward, like, John Lester and Kyle Schwarber and, like, kind of uh, hung out with those guys a lot and definitely learned a lot from them about how you should carry yourself and kind of, like, think about the game and prepare. Like, I do think there's some intangible value in that. And I also think he's a pretty independent thinker. So, like, the Cubs are not going to, like – Uh, shove some team-friendly deal in his face while he's serving on the MLBPA executive committee. I think that could be an issue. But I think, I don't know, see what Andrew Benintendi gets this uh, offseason because they're not, like, exactly the same players, but they were, that was a player the Cubs looked at. I think the Red Sox drafted him, like, two spots before. A left fielder who, I guess he doesn't have the power that Ian does, but kind of not a prototypical, like, left field slugger and he'll probably get a pretty good deal i mean you know the cubs gave say a 85 million guaranteed before he took at bat in the majors and um you know the going rate for an above average competent major league player who can switch hit is probably going to be on an annual basis close to that and um you know i did think the consistency he showed this year was noteworthy and um but, yeah, I, I just think it's hard to get those deals done when you're that close to free agency, right. you know what I mean? Like, unless you're, like, some – I mean, they didn't get it done with Judge and the Yankees, but unless you're some sort of, like, franchise player who, like, can't stand the idea of leaving and they give you, like, a free agent deal right then, like, that usually doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. Nico yeah, is
1: a lot more likely to get done. Um, yeah,
0: I think if – Obvious, yeah. If I was Hap and they offered me something attractive, last season during the season i was far more open now you're like I t- i'm just a year away i want to go see what you, know, you get yeah. that close to it you really want to go see what else you can get and so just taking your team's word for this is what you're worth
1: yeah i mean he'll have a good i mean he's a really sharp guy and like he would have a pretty good idea of what his value would be and um I think understands the dimensions of free agency because it's not always what you think it's gonna be. Like no no one thought Jake Arietta would be signing in the middle of March, like with the Phillies yeah. on a three year deal, I think. Like, you know, it's it's usually a risk worth taking. Um but there are times where you're trying to play catch up, like with you know, with Rizzo's deal. Like he he's in a great spot, super happy. Might win another ring. Gets to play in New York, like, with, you know, family and, you know, friends there and, like, live in the – you know, see him and Aaron Judge, like, pounding beers at Ranger games at Madison Garden. Like, it's a good play. But, yeah. for, you know, you get tagged with a qualifying offer. Like, there's a lot of factors. Yeah.
0: So there's some talk that the Astros, who apparently almost traded for Wilson at the deadline and whether or not SD said <laughs> – I got my dudes. I don't need that dude. Um, but then there's the, the talk that, well, if they get him, they'll, he'll play left field some, and he'll DH some, and then he'll just catch a little bit. And it's like, his, to me, the value for Wilson is you get a catcher who can hit better than most catchers. But over the last three years, he's slashed 241, 346, 444. I'm not paying a lot of money to put that in left field when he's, and we've seen him play the outfield, it's, it can be an adventure. Um, I just, I, I can't imagine that that's the, that's the, the smart move for Wilson, to go become a utility player in Houston, even though you're on a much better team. Somebody, I think, is going to want him to actually, is going to sign him to be a catcher, and he's going to end up with a better deal because of that, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, that's, I've never, I was never able to get, like, a straight answer out of Wilson, or like, the chance to like ask him just directly about that because by September he was kind of, uh, you know, he was injured and did not want to talk while he was on the injured list. But like how much pride do you take in catching and like, how important is that to you? And maybe it's just the like, you know, show your value with what your contract is. And maybe there's like a number that he's like, okay, I don't really need to catch that much anyways. Uh, But I do think you're right in that. That's where the value is of like, okay, you have him DH. Maybe in year two or three of that contract, he could play a little first or left field. Like, I do think he could do that. And it's really interesting to me of like, you know, this campaign against Wilson's catching. Like, I think clearly he's not like number one on the metrics uh, on framing I do think there are times probably where he carries his offense over to his defense. You know, if he's frustrated, he is like a high energy, emotional person. And maybe that's not what certain pitchers want, but like, I don't know. John Lester had a pretty specific way about how he wanted things done. And Wilson pretty seamlessly replaced Ross as a personal catcher. I think he's worked with. Like, I know we kind of were just ripping on the Cubs pitching, but, I mean, he's caught Darvish, Lackey, Lester, Cole Hamels, I mean, Kimbrell, Aroldis, Chapman, Wade Davis. Like, he's worked with a really veteran, accomplished pitching staff and what is a pretty sophisticated uh, game planning system. And, you know, I think it just comes down to, like, catcher is this one weird area where teams, like, value those soft, Factors because they don't cost a lot of money, yeah. you know. Like, um, and, and I and I would be interested to see like how Wilson, if there's a way, maybe he improves with like a long-term deal and like the security. I mean, this guy who's gone on a year worked on a year-to-year basis since like what 2009 or 2008, whenever he first signed with the Cubs. Like 14, 15 years of one-year deals. Yeah, he's
0: he's this generation like, of Mark Grace,
1: and like. Uh, you know all these trade rumors and questions about this and that. So, you know, I think ultimately he'll have a pretty good, pretty good market. Uh, Ken reported he's supposed to meet with the Astros, and um, I also think it's kind of crazy. He works for the Cubs like 14, 15 years, and he doesn't get truly unrestricted free agency. There's a qualifying offer yeah. attached to that. Like that was a. It's like you don't you don't get traded at the deadline, and they don't. Come up with a deal to get rid of the uh, qualifying offer in exchange for an international draft. It's just and Dusty's celebrating the World Series and gives an on the right quote of like, "Yeah, I didn't want Wilson. <laughs> He's a great player, but like, it's a lot yep. for a guy who really. I mean, I mean, I think he signed for forty thousand or something like that out of Venezuela, like uh, just or a hundred thousand, whatever it was. Just abs- I think it was a hundred thousand. Just absolutely maximized his entire time with with the Cubs and. Um, it'd be interesting to see the smile on his face when he signs somewhere else.
0: So, I mean, they have to get another catcher, right? I mean, yeah. Can yeah, they, go, they can't go into the, I mean, do they They don't think Jan Gomes is like the everyday starter. No, no,
1: no. It's like Jan Gomes will catch, I don't know, 70, 80 games. It'll be a timeshare, like a co-starter type thing. Um, and that's where they could. I don't know. You add up a lot of pieces like that. I think it could make a difference. They just have to go out and like do it because we've seen that over the course of a long year. Like Cubs were running out some pretty th- you know threadbare teams, yeah. even when they were winning like ninety games. Like their depth wasn't super great.
0: They were like pretty you didn't top like, Mike race. Freeman playing shortstop in a pennant race. You think that was a thing to bank on?
1: We got Nico off the couch. That was a good story. That was a <laughs> good right. thing to write about. On his parents' couch. <laughs>
0: then he hit a homer and didn't hit another one for like three years. Um, yeah, so the, I mean, at Catcher, would they look, would they try to trade for a guy like Sean Murphy or Danny Jansen? Or are they looking at just like another two backups make one starter?
1: I'm sure they'll look into trading, but I, just knowing how this front office works, I think they're not the most like, um, you know easy team to trade with particularly like Toronto is probably even more process oriented than like the Cubs are um plus it's only money it's like why not just you know yeah. get uh, Chris you know Christian Vasquez I think the Cardinals are probably going to be all all over him mm-hmm. but the Omar Narvaez types like like solid players if you put them in the right Role like I think over the course of a year makes a difference. I mean, what was the year when Wilson they used like nine backup catchers? Was that twenty one?
0: Yeah, it was
1: eight or nine backup catchers, yeah. like absurd.
0: Um All oh, until until they brought back Robinson Torinos twenty years after they drafted him, that's right. and then they finally were able to. They, he he finished the season. They didn't need to go find more backup catchers. They had him yikes um, yeah cause so if you that's the thing that confused me about the whole Wilson thing is if you just let Wilson go and you collect your wonderful sandwich pick as a result of some other team signing him but then you have to trade for a catcher you know the prospect perverts are going to be very upset that you had to give away because all those guys are going to be great when you could have simply spent money which you do have and then kept those guys that's um, and I think you talked a little bit about the system and I you know I'm, the the reason that I make fun of the so-called pre- prospects um, well the fans really who follow the prospect experts and are like oh this guy's going to be great is the Cubs it seems like the Cubs have a lot of guys in the system who have a potential to play in the big leagues at some level but this is not like a star-studded group of prospects where you're going to bring up, you know, and I think part of it I'm sure they got spoiled from you bring up Javi and then Chris Bryant and then Kyle Schwarber and you think, well, that stuff just happens all the time. It's like, well, most of those guys are just okay. And so some of these guys that you, because a guy's dominating at you know, double A, you can't just take those numbers and extrapolate them to rig And they are like, look, I told you he was going to be a star. It's like, they're, they're prospects for a reason. They might be good. And it's a pretty small percentage that ever really pan out.
1: I mean, and this is obviously oversimplifying, but 2015 comes out of the number one farm system in the game. The majority of those players don't pan out, uh, particularly on the pitching side. They win the World Series in 2016. And then by 2018, everyone's like sick of watching them to the point where Theo goes, Our offense broke <laughs> in his one man show uh, press conference. Like, um, and then they kept running it back out there and people were just, you know, tired of watching that team, um, that offense, you know, try to click. So I think you're right in that you, they probably look at it. I think it's fan grass that does like the future value. Like if you add up all these players, what they're projected for and the Cubs are pretty high, like they value the Cubs more highly cause they have like competent major league talent coming but that doesn't mean they have any stars and and i do think on the pitching side it's a good sign that it used to be they would talk about brilliant marquez and then you kind of get awkward silence on the other end of the line and now it's they do have a lot of arms and you need those because some of them are going to get injured or what's your line like catch tommy john disease or whatever and the scourge of baseball tommy john disease like uh I mean, by all accounts, Pete Crow Armstrong is legit. And that's not the Cubs saying it. That's like if you look at this guy's life, he played for Team USA like four or five times. He was a first-round pick by the Mets after not even having a high school senior season. And, you know, he was injured and then just like kills it this year. Like that would be putting your faith not in the Cubs. That would be just putting your faith in like someone who's been like a prodigy growing up in Southern California um, more than any sort of like new wrinkle in the Cubs player development system. It's like this guy's been a star like everywhere he's been except for that one year he was injured with the Mets and they traded him for two months of hobby. Yeah.
0: And, it, and scared, he, it scared <laughs> them away from trading with the Cubs last time. Well, we might do that again. It's like, oh. Um, yeah, with with PCA. um. He has, a, he has a one particular skill that we know translates. If you're a really good defensive center fielder in the minor leagues, you, we will be a really good yeah. defensive center fielder in the big leagues. So the the chances that he will flop are far less than the other guys, because even if he's just an okay hitter, he's going to be an elite defensive center fielder. Like, you know, there's something you can hang your hat on with him that you can't with other prospects. Um know it was disappointing for everybody brendan davis most of all that that he got hurt and had to have surgery even though it wasn't structural it's just a big wad we just fought a wad of blood vessels in his back took care of that it's fine um because the Cub fans i think needed somebody to graduate from that farm system last year and at least play and they really didn't you know they got some pitchers but they didn't get anybody else um and so that's another. I mean, that delays it to the point where even if he's fully healthy this year, he's you're not going to. He's not going to Wrigley in April. I mean, he becomes a mid-season call-up. He's going to need at bats somewhere. That just further complicates. It, it yeah. creates a, yet another hole where yeah. maybe you could have thought, you know, what he we can get by with him in center for a while. And mm-hmm. now you can't look at it that way. You have to go find. You have to go get a center fielder. At least on the short term. So that's another thing that happens to prospects. Sometimes they get hurt. Yeah. Right. Um. So the winter meetings are next week. Are mm-hmm. you going? Do you get to go to the winter meetings? Or are you going to cover I them from afar? <laughs> Sandy, I will
1: be. I will be standing in a hotel lobby for hours on end. So. Maybe you'll see me in the background of the MLB Network shots when I they, do. I they love do that.
0: that. I I love background <laughs> shots. I love to see like who's who's chatting Just with who in lots the background. Of
1: people like this looking at their phones.
0: Yeah. Don't don't look at your phone and back up and end up in a fountain because that'll get that'll get. <laughs> yeah, that. you see Patrick's legs going up over his head <laughs> in a big splash.
1: <laughs> I remember that. I, if my memory serves correctly, that happened. Then I bumped into Dale Swaim, uh, me and another writer. I've just got. I think that was the Dallas Winter Meetings, but that was in the, an amazing uh, video shot of that. So good.
0: So now does Boris do another like forty minutes in the lobby, or does he? He, he gets that out of the way at the general manager's meetings. He uses up all of his puns, and then he's just working. Or will he do that again in San Diego?
1: Uh, no, he traditionally does it at the GM and the Winter Meetings. Yeah. Well, I th-
0: and I, sp- I think he'd do it this time because this is the first Winter Meetings in since while. 2019 yeah, since so he's got oh he's got lots of material saved up well he was he
1: did the in 2020 he did one on zoom <laughs> like the boris corp sent out an email with like a link and whatever and uh did it all over zoom um which is not as fun uh but it was easier to record than having a 100 yeah. people around him um So he'll be doing. He's
0: got a lot of obviously. He's
1: once again has a ton of the big guys up top. So like it kind of goes through him in a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and he can kind of he control how the market breaks that way too. Like if he's got if he's got a bunch of guys, he traditionally likes to hold the big guys till the end. But since he's got several of them this year, he may want to like he can kind of start and finish the market. He can set it, and then at the end he can. He's got all kinds of clout. Well, I hope while you're out there, there's some news that you actually, you know, the, the Cubs actually do something, if only to make your life easier, so you have things to write about other than uh, they're in the hunt on all these guys. <laughs>
1: I'll definitely, I'll definitely use in the hunt at some point. That'll be a good catchphrase.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Patrick. Many of us have herpes. I just wanted to